treasures because you're so focused on those earthly things. And you can't do that. They don't last. They don't make a eternal difference. And how many, I mean, think about it, guys. How, how many of us may be, right now as we, as we gather here, how many of us may be missing out on those eternal treasures building up? And I'm going to get to that here in a moment because we are focused on those earthly things. That God says, listen, I, I want you to have more heavenly treasures. But because you're consumed by the, the earthly things, you're missing out on those things, those treasures that are eternal. So this morning, and again, God knows your heart, and that's, I've heard that said, and that's a scary thought, isn't it? It's, it's a, I mean, it's a scary thought. God knows our heart. Well, that's good. He does know our heart. So as we, the heart of worship, as Megan sang for me this morning, may our hearts be in tune and aligned with the desires that God has. So those treasures, and we are called, I think God wants us to invest in those heavenly treasures treasures. Not only that, but what we deem as valuable. You know, the earthly treasure that the world deems valuable is it's all centered around self. You know, what can I get? It's the, the here and now. It's what makes you happy? What makes me happy? It's, I mean, the world, the world, what they consider valuable, what they consider as treasures, is so counter to what God consider, considers treasure or valuable. And you think about self-esteem or, you know, we live in America, the American dream, so to speak. You know, pull yourself up. You can do it. Guys, we can do it with God, not apart from Him. And so we've got to get off that focus of, I, you know, the, it's for me. It's for what I want. It's number one. It's about what I can uh, accumulate here on this earth and shift from that to more focus on what God deems valuable. What does God deem? Now, and I love it here in this text because he didn't say, he didn't specify what those eternal treasures are. Because I think if he did, we'd be just kind of snagging for those, right? We'd be kind of driving for those. But let me just give you a few things that I think God considers valuable treasures as those things that we should be striving for in our life, storing up. How about obedience? As believers, God demands obedience, doesn't he? He demands that we follow him. And as God speaks and as God leads and we have his word, he expects us to say, okay, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. He, he demands obedience. What about sacrifice? Look no further than the cross. He does. I think that is a treasure that God deems as valuable, is that we take up our cross daily, and we do follow him, and we're willing to sacrifice whatever it is we're willing to sacrifice. But here's the thing when you think about sacrifice. Are we really sacrificing when we give it to God? And the answer to that is no. Because you don't lose. You come out ahead. But it's willing to lay aside those earthly things that would hold, would, would keep us back from being, from following God in obedience, from doing what God would have us to do. So I would say obedience would be a treasure. I would say 
sacrifice is a heavenly treasure that we can store up because we're called to do that daily. Daily. It's not good. Listen, when you come to Christ, you say, yes, Lord, here I am. I am yours. But God expects to hear that from us each and every day in our walk with him. So it's a daily sacrifice. It's a daily taking up your cross. It doesn't matter what I did yesterday, right? It really doesn't matter what I did yesterday because today's a new day and tomorrow's a new day. And so I'm called to, to do those things. I'm called to be obedient tomorrow. I'm called to be a sacrifice tomorrow, whatever God wants. And what about faithfulness? I think God considers being faithful to him a treasure. Now, I want to say to you, we all struggle, right? We all struggle with obedience. We all struggle with sacrifice. We all struggle with being faithful. But yet that is part of building up those characters that, God, yes, I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. And yes, Lord, I have failed you today. Please forgive me. And today, Father, is a new day, and I'm walking with you. And you know what God says? He says, come along. Come along. That's a treasure. That's building up those heavenly treasures. Of just being faithful to him each and every day, each and every moment. Striving to be faithful. What about becoming more like Christ? Because that's the ultimate treasure. Is that heavenly treasure of just saying, Lord, I want to be more like you each and every day. And that's a, that's a process. We don't get there overnight. Matter of fact, we won't get there until we get to eternity, right? But it's a process. It's a growing. And every day we're growing in our walk with our Lord. We're, we're becoming more and more like him each and every day through obedience, through sacrifice, through being faithful to him, taking his, our thought, his thoughts captive, taking every thought captive, letting him have his way with us, pruning where he needs to be pruning at, doing what the work that he needs to be doing within us. That heavenly treasure is becoming more like Christ. He leaves the things that the world says, oh, just kind of put that on the back burner. You know, you, you, don't, you don't need Christ today, right? You don't need Christ. Listen to me. Listen to government. Listen to whoever you want to listen to. That's where it's at. You know, get that job promotion. Who cares who you injure along the way? Who cares who you step over? It's about you. And Christ says, no, that's not the way I operate. It's about me. And that's when we are about fighting the fight. Sacrifice. Obedience. Being faithful. Becoming more like Christ. Those are essential. I got one more for you. God, God deems valuable, so valuable, and it's eternal. You know what it is? Robert, you know what it is? Let's, get, let's try to get to something that's not Jesus. You are precious. You are valuable. These things, every one of them, they're being sacrificed. Satan, I mean, you think about guys, Satan's fighting tooth and nail for every moment. He fought tooth and nail for you. And he's fighting today for those who are lost. You are a treasure. So what's the treasure? Store them 
those things that are valuable. Obedience, sacrifice, faithful, being more Christ, short, and sweet. Striving to bring people to the foot of the cross. Striving to point people to Jesus. That they, because they're eternal. They are, you are eternal. They are eternal. Either going to be eternally in heaven with our Lord or eternally separated from us. So for eternity, build up those heavenly treasures that are valuable, that are eternal. And the title that you got on your shirt is in Jesus' name. Your name, if you're a believer, I can speak for me. My name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. It is eternal. Can't be erased. Can't be marked off of you. And let's build out those treasures which God deems valuable and look on to invest in those things. Because we're told to invest, and I'll get more to that here in a moment, but we're told to invest in those heavenly treasures. But what about going to invest, what do we have to do? We have to be intentional about it. You know, if we're going to invest in heavenly treasures, it does not happen by accident. Now again, I, I, I need to rephrase that. God can do whatever God wants to do. He, he has that authority. He has that right. I'm not going to tell God we can't do it that way. But we're called to be intentional. I ask you this. Tell me one thing that Jesus did that just it just happened. That Jesus got back. I, we've been watching the chosen. But Jesus went back to the disciples. Man, we were lucky today. That never came out of his mouth. And it won't today. Jesus is in control. He does have all authority. And Jesus, everything that Jesus did was intentional. And if we're going to be more like Christ, right? We're going to follow him in obedience. And we're going to you know, take up our cross daily. And if we're going to go after those treasures that are valuable, we need to be intentional. Now, there's some of you here, you've probably done some investing over your time, you know, stocks or whatever. I have never invested in stocks. And if I did, I'd use my credit. I would. But don't you have to be intentional in your investment? You know, you kind of try to pick the right stock or you pick the right thing to invest in because you're hoping for a return. Isn't it the same, kind of the same thing? I think when Jesus says, okay, you have two treasures. You have earthly treasures, you have heavenly treasures. Wherever your heart's at, that, that's where you're going to be at. So shouldn't we be intentionally investing in those heavenly treasures? Shouldn't we be intentionally investing in those treasures that are eternal? Shouldn't we be investing intentionally in being obedient and being faithful and becoming more Christ-like? Those things do not happen by accident. We must be intentional. And if we're going, if we're going to store up treasures, these things that are eternal, we have to be intentional. Part of it is prayer. Part of it is praying intentionally for those things that are lost, for those things that's on your heart, for our co-workers, friends, family, being intentional, praying for them, but it's also going a step further and it's doing. It is doing. 
what are we, what are you, what am I doing that's intentional for what God cares about? I, I can't become more Christ-like if I don't intentionally get into the Word. I can't become more Christ-like. I, can't, I cannot take my cross up daily if I don't intentionally do what? Take up my cross daily. You've got to be intentional. When God calls you, He says, you've got these two choices. It's your choice. I mean, listen, He doesn't make us, but He says, it's your choice. But, oh, store up those treasures. Verse 68, very intentional. And be intentional about it. And if we're going to be intentional about it, it must become a first priority. Can't be. It's like, oh, well, that's just, you know, you have God and you have other things. That's what it should be. God, family, children, earthly things. When it comes to our treasures, treasuring the earthly, what's the first priority? What's, what's, where's our motivation? It should be number one. It should be number one. I, I would even say, make that part of your prayer. When you get up in the morning or you go bed at night or whenever you pray, it should be, God, help me to store up treasures in heaven. Help me today. Use me today. Make that a first priority. It should be our first priority. Why should it be our first priority? When I start investing in earthly treasures, what am I doing? I'm living a wasted life. I have to. Because I, I can't do anything new. But the cost is too great, not only for ourselves, but what's that for our family? Think about our families. Think about our families that son, daughter, husband, wife, brother, sister, cousin, or family that may be struggling, that may be hurting, that may be lost because we did not make those heavenly treasures a first priority. Now, again, can I save anybody? Can you? Yes. Boy, oh boy, if I can strive to make heavenly treasures a first priority and build on those things, obedience and all those things that we've talked about, and be intentional about it. I just have this feeling that God's going to use those things. I just, I believe that. And I mean, that, and that's how I'm going to choose it. God can use those things. But if I'm focused on earthly treasures, what does that say about my heart? What does that say about my faith? What does that say about my life? For our neighbor. So when we focus on our earthly treasures, the cost is so great. It affects us. It affects our families. It affects our community. Look at our community. Not just our community, but look at our communities across this nation. Look at the churches. It affects the churches as well, doesn't it? When, the, when we as believers, the body of Christ, when we make, when we make heavenly treasures not the first priority, does it not affect our churches? It does. It does. It affects the gift. You do what God wants to do. If you don't need it, 
you don't need them. You can just keep them for 300 years, 800 years like that. Uh, take the body of Christ and we are all coming together in fasting and making intercessions and sacrifices just reminding that it takes work and that it takes work for us we need to be intentional investing in those heavenly treasures. When we invest in heavenly treasures, it benefits us. You say, well, how can I do that? Well, one, right, I'm going to give you the easy answer. What about souls? What about leading people to Christ? You know, you're investing in heavenly treasure. I, we are investing in those heavenly treasures. This might be the thing that God uses to bring somebody to Christ. But let's Let's broaden that out a little bit. I know they've been taking up coins for baby bottles or filling them up for abortion or cancer. You never know. Again, and you say, how is this investing in heavenly treasures? Because I, I believe it is. I think doing this is investing in heavenly treasures because you never know what one quarter, one dime, whatever's taken could affect a mother who is considering abortion, gives birth to that child, and that child at some point in time comes to Christ. When you give the missionaries, right? We give the, the, the uh, Lottie Moon offering and the, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering and whatever other offerings that we do, you are investing in heavenly treasures. You may never go overseas. You may never go to Belize or Nicaragua or wherever it may be, but by you giving, you praying, we're praying, you are investing in heavenly treasures because it may be that missionary that you're praying for leads somebody to Christ. When we pray for our sister churches and pastors, 34 churches in our association, which we are one of those 34, when you pray for those churches and you're praying for those pastors, you do not know what your prayer may have an effect on that service that leads somebody to Christ. You are investing in heavenly treasures when you pray for each other. What about disaster of the Nobel Benjamin? When you support disaster relief and they go and put a roof on someplace or whatever they do, they're making an impact that might touch somebody that brings somebody to Christ. Don't underestimate that your prayer, you doing, if it is going to disaster, if, it is, if it's going to knock on a door, or maybe you feel prompted to talk to a neighbor, or maybe you want to write a card to somebody, you just, you just feel impressed to write a card to somebody and just say, hey, I want you to know we're praying for you. We love you. It may be as simple as that, but that could be a heavenly treasure that God uses. When we make it our first priority, when we are intentionally investing in heavenly treasures, it benefits us. Now, are my kids perfect? I'll be the first to tell you I need two Jesus.
skin today. <laughs> but I am sitting here, I'm standing here today very thankful. Again, nothing that makes an ass out of me. Again, but I have no place in this world. I'm so grateful for nothing. And I'm praying, you know, for family. I'm praying for Kate. And I'm praying for whoever Amber's, God's got for Amber Thomas. Now, you have to be in that meeting. But you know, whoever's going to put on Thomas. And of course, Kate. Investing in others. The benefits of that. I want you to watch this, this video about investing in heavenly treasures. You know something I hope we start? Nothing makes an ass this American Christmas tree box. Well, my name is Dania. I am originally from the Middle East. I came to the United States in 2010 as a refugee, escaping the war and the persecution. As a child, I learned so much from my parents and from their faith. Um, I've seen them stand in front of death threat and persecution just for the name of Jesus. The house that we lived in was an empty house. Uh, we used to sit on the floor. We had no TV. I was a child and I didn't have anything to entertain me. Neither my parents did. They had nothing to entertain us, no TV, no radio. So this is the time where my parents said, okay, let's all gather together and let's pray for God to send us a radio. And that's what we did. We just gathered together and we prayed for a radio for a certain period of time and we waited for it. One day as I was a child, we went to church, we entered the room, and there was huge brown boxes filled with, with, with shoe boxes inside them. And the Sunday school teacher kept calling name after name until mine finally was called. So I went slowly, and my heart was beating so fast. So I got my shoe box, and I waited until we got home. My mom, my dad, my brother, and I, we all sat together to open our shoe boxes. When I opened the shoe box, it was full of everything that, that a five-year-old child would imagine. I've never had ever in my life received something that's that new, and it was actually the first gift that I ever received. So as we were opening it, all of these things were beautiful, but there was something else in that box. There was another box in it. As we took the box out, we were so shocked. We never believed our eyes. It was something that people would think is impossible. And inside that box, there was a radio. My parents looked at us and they said, God can do everything. If we will answer in prayers through a shoebox, out of million shoeboxes that were sent specifically to our family, and we know exactly what we needed. This taught me that God truly answers prayers in a way that we don't expect. And he always answered prayer. It makes me really sad that I wasn't able to take any shoebox item with me when I when I moved, but my family and I had to leave because of persecution. I just want to thank all of you who are being part of this great ministry and packing shoeboxes. Because look at my life, just a simple shoebox impacted my life and my family my family's life along the way. Don't ever estimate the power of prayer because God answers and it's beautiful when he answers through you and through the shoebox and the, the work that you're doing to Samaritan Prayers and Operation Christmas Child.
word control. I'm going to use a word here because I'm going to use this word and it's always, it has a negative connotation. But do you ever think that, let me rephrase that. There is being greedy. Right. And who wants to be greedy? interested in being personal, but I am interested in being greedy. When you look at this passage, Jesus isn't saying you don't have it in you. You only have it externally. You can fix it. When I look at these names on the cross, how many of these names do we want to see come to Christ? One, two, or all of them? All of them. You think maybe we're just not greedy enough? Now think about this. When we think about storing up heavenly treasures that are eternal, that God deems valuable, right? We we think, well, I can't be greedy. Right, we should not call we're not called to be greedy when it comes to earthly things. But God does not say we cannot become heavenly greedy. We cannot become kingdom greedy. That we should that we should not desire as much heavenly treasures as possible. I don't see that in Scripture. We are called to be, we are called to store up as much as possible of those heavenly treasures because, again, those heavenly treasures is not so when we get to heaven, God says, okay, here's everything that you've earned. Nope. As God gives it, we give it right back to Him. I don't know about you guys, but I want to give God everything I can give Him when I go to see Him face to face. I want to give it all to him. Now, it doesn't mean that those treasures are small and give God half a thing. I, yeah, I probably should do that. doesn't mean it doesn't matter. No. Yes, you have to use and you can manage your money. I mean, it's all about it. It's all been, it's been all about it. We need to become kingdom greedy in our prayers and be intentional about that. Investing in those things. Because I don't know about, man, I look at these seats. Do we want these seats filled? Sure we do. Is that being greedy? You better believe it is. I want God, we, I say I, we want God to do whatever God wants to do. We want heaven to be full. We want heaven to be full. We want more and more people come to Christ. We want more and more people become part of the body of Christ. We should become heavenly, a kingdom greedy. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to read this. How many of you have heard of John Hopkins? Probably a lot of us. Okay. I'm sorry, Robert. Next time I preach, just sit in the back. John Hyde was a missionary to India back in late 1800s, first part of 1900s. And he was a missionary to India, been there, I went, I read it, and I don't know, I don't know. But he had a handful of missionaries that he sent over, and here he was preaching. And John Hyde became a, a pioneer. Here's his, here's what happened to him is that as he got over there and he struggled as far as learning language, but he just kept getting into the Word and kept saying, 
to where when they met at a convention, he took this. He says, you are praying for one soul to be saved every day. got up the next day and he says, I quit. I just moved on. Did he? Two souls a day were saved in that calendar year. He got up again and said, I'm going to double that. Four souls a day in India. And you know what? God answered that prayer. I don't know about you guys, but John Hyde was kingdom greedy. And God answered it. Are we kingdom greedy this morning? Are we so greedy that, God, we want to build, we want want more kingdom treasures. We'll take a soul a day, but no, God, we want two souls. That's what I'm saying. How many of these names do you want to see come off the cross? We want to see all of them. We have to be intentionally investing in those heavenly treasures. And when we start doing that, it will affect our prayer life. Matter of fact, it will affect everything that we do. Having that perspective. Praying kingdom treasures. The rest of what? The wealth Hesaphosic teaches lived and served in Egypt for two years and died there at the age of 24. He was killed in a bus, bus accident and was found there just one day before he paralyzed on September 11, 2001. Wells had plans to pursue her study at music and seminaries after she came, came home from Egypt. She never made it back. But she packed enough passion for several lifetimes into her brief Shortly before she moved to the Middle East in 1909, she wrote, I could give up overseas service, get married, and become a music teacher. All this is very noble, and to be quite honest, it sounds good to me. But in my heart, I want to change my world. More than I want a husband, more than I want passion, I need this opportunity to grow and tell others about my faith. Two years later, in a quoted a phrase from her. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, and open the eyes of my heart, and I will teach you sound in the path of your glory. It seems that everything we do comes down to one thing, spiritual ownership. I pray that all of our lives reflect that. It seems like a floodgate has been opened in my heart to share God's love. I have a passion for it that I never knew God had given me. He's given it to me for his glory. She shared her passion for God with the Egyptians, the Palestinians, the rescue camps, and the desert. And she lived. She might have gone home to Texas, gotten married, started a family, become a music teacher. Or she might have opted to tell a long time overseas. But either way, she had one, one purpose in mind. To love God and praise him wherever she went.
this feet and say, Lord, forgive me 